0: You wanna get one One more You fucking recording me bitch <laughs> you, you exactly you like start, You exactly <laughs> like my mom This is no, nah, this is the shit my mom does She'll be like exactly I'll like, like your mom.
1: <laughs> nah, I'll be like
0: cooking I'll be doing something And then It'll get quiet And I'll be like And then she's just like <laughs> She's like She it. fucking do, When I was making spinach puffs The other day She like took a picture of me And I t- <laughs> like it was her and my friend, and, like, they just both got quiet, and I look over and I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, let's get it. Three, two, one. Season number two. Episode number 12. One Goal a Moment podcast. Justice De Los Santos. Max Mendemeyer, Spencer Galanka recording me without my consent. I'm pretty sure that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but... Cal baseball season has, has finally come to an end, which means the baseball podcast is going to be coming to an end, a bitter end, unfortunately. We're going to get into, you know, our reflections on this season as a whole, you know, some of the players that got drafted recently, but first, I think we should very briefly touch on uh, Cal's performance in regionals. I did touch on uh, the TCU game in extended detail after it's sort of an instant reaction after this after that one. But so Cal loses uh, to TCU, thirteen to two. Loses to Central Connecticut, seven to four. Who? It's a great question. <laughs> Central Connecticut State. University. Central Connecticut State. CCSU. So I, I, we gotta throw the state and the university. We gotta throw some respect on their name. And their and what was actually the first NCAA tournament win in baseball in their program's history? They were, I believe, O of ten heading into that game. So Cal's a two and done. You know, and considering how well this Cal team was playing heading into regionals, how they won 21 of their last 28 in the regular season, how they went from, like, this bubble team to a postseason lock, how they catapulted into the top 25, I think it's fair to say it was a very disappointing weekend. And personally, I thought Cal was—you know, I did acknowledge that for everybody on this team except Brandon McIlwain, who, while there was reports that he possibly could have played, he ended up just not playing— while this was a very young team, I thought considering how well they had played and all of, you know, sort of the collective juice that they had and, like, the caliber of players that this team had, that it would be a much better weekend than a two-and-done, but unfortunately that's kind of how it went, and, you know, the offense wasn't really there, the pitching wasn't really there, no one no one really played exceptionally well, and, you know, just considering how well this team played, just been a generally disappointing end to the season.
1: I think uh, since I haven't been reporting on baseball season, I it's it's good for me to ask the first question. Um, what do you think that was in terms of, you know, 21 of 28 to start the season and then they blow it in the regionals? Do you think it was experience? Do you think it was coaching? What do you think was the, the culprit of, you know, being such an embarrassment?
0: I don't really think it was – I don't think it was the coaching. I think it was – I think it's straight up the fact that this was their very first time being in regionals. And you know, the TCU game that's one thing because in the TCU game you were going up against a group of Horn Frogs who while they didn't make the postseason in 2018, it was a very experienced group of players they had. Although Nick Ladolo did not pitch, they had a projected top 10 pitcher. They had a really great group of hit a really great group of hitters, a lot of whom were either in the high 200s or the low 300s, I believe they were hitting like 290 something as a team and you can't really you know that was one of the things that i was talking about in both my recap of that game and the instant analysis was you can't really teach experience and until you're in that moment you're not gonna there's no way to game flat, game plan for that now they did play in a lot of high pressure high stress series during the regular season on the road as well there was oregon state on the road lsu on the road UCLA on the road and they were actually able to pull out wins for that and win games But not only are they having to go on the West Well LSU is not really on the West Coast But not only are they having to get out of their element, but they're in a completely new environment under a completely new degree of stress Because with LSU, Oregon State, UCLA, those are high-stress games But the thing with those games is if you lose If you only take one of three and you drop two, it's not the end of the world You just keep it moving forward and you keep playing but now you're dealing with a situation – well, they were dealing with a situation where a loss or a win could very much shape the fabric of how the rest of their season is going to go. And I think they were very much shook in that uh, first um, game against TCU. Horn's stuff wasn't really sharp. They're, TCU was able to draw a lot of long at-bats. And it, it wasn't like Horn was throwing like a, an egregious amount of balls. In comparison to strikes but they were able to work a lot of that bats out of him the defense wasn't as really sharp as you'd expect it to be there was one play it was actually how tcu got their second run where quentin selma could have very much stopped the ball that was hit in front of him he tries to kind of olay it and that allows the ball to score in the left field and run scored corey lee had three pass balls and a throwing error jared horn had a throwing error that ultimately got him out of that game and then even some of the top hitters on that team like this was one of the most he, this is one of the times when Andrew Vaughn looked very much human, and like like we have seen that over the course of his career, where pitchers will know how to approach him; they'll only give him one pitch if that, or pitch completely around him. And for a team that had, I believe, 80 homers in the regular season, they only hit one. That was Corey Lee in the Central Connecticut game, and then in the Central Connecticut game too, I think that could have been that very much could have been a game where. You know that's a case where both teams are kind of heading it like the ex, in, the inexperience is kind of like a moot point at that point just because, you know, Central Connecticut had never even won a postseason game in their school history, and it was kind of I felt as if it was kind of the same situation. Sam Startenborough, you know, he was sharp through the he was he was okay through the first couple innings, but then he gives up the big home run, and
1: I-, I wonder if the hype of Vaughn with the draft and all the media coverage affected his play because he seemed to kind of disappear
2: in those last two games. Well, that was the biggest disappointment for me was Cal had kind of been riding a few guys you mentioned in the Oregon State, UCLA, LSU series. A lot of those wins were predicated on the performance of just several guys and whether or not they had been in the postseason before. You know, these are guys who are, you know, juniors, going to get drafted to Major League Baseball, like Vaughn, especially Horn, who had who had pulled them through so many big games this season, you really saw them, I wouldn't say like wither, but just not not bring what we had come to expect in that run where they had 21 out of their last 28. Um, and that was the most disappointing thing for me, was it wasn't just kind of a thing where, okay, guys like Stoutenborough, Sullivan, these freshman guys, you know, they kind of Showed that they were inexperienced. It was kind of the guys that they had ridden all season didn't come through, and that really hurt them in the end. And also with the TCU series, that is a season team. They do have guys that are going to the next level. What was really disappointing for me was when they played Central Connecticut the next day, and, you know, you can't really talk about inexperience because Central Connecticut, as you said, had not won a game. They just kind of gave that one away. It kind of showed up on um, the day. Yeah. So that was the most disappointing thing for me.
1: Also, the lack of depth on our team seemed super apparent, especially with the you know Central Connecticut game. It's like, like you said, if Vaughn doesn't show up, nobody else is there mm-hmm. to take Phil's yeah. place. You know, the names didn't show up that we wanted to.
0: And that was one of the concerns that I had at the beginning of the season, but it kind of faded by the end of the season. Because one of the biggest issues that we were talking about with this team was whether, like, whether or not that depth would be there both with the pitching staff and with the hit, with the lineup. And you know as the season went along, it got to a point where you realized that this was a team that could really go one through nine and had one of the better offenses in the nation. You had Cameron Eden, who developed into an all-conference honorable mention, side note. I mentioned this in, I think it was the one before the instant reaction, that he should have just been an all-conference player. I'm not entirely sure what happened with that. It might have been, you know, because you know politics in general, stuff of that nature. <laughs> But then Corey Lee develops into an all-conference player. Quentin's, first round pick. A first round pick as well, 32nd overall. And then Quentin Selma, like, he, was, he wasn't he was even a full-time starter until late March. He develops into an all-conference player. Andrew Vaughn, he's once again like one of the best hitters in the country. And I think it was more, if we're talking about lack of depth, that's something that shows up more on the pitching side of things. But this is some, one of the conversations that we've had before where. If you get into a point where you have to just win one game, who are the guys that you're going with? And I think in terms of this weekend as a whole, it wasn't necessarily the depth or the lack thereof in regards to the pitching staff that really did them in. I think it was more so, and you know we don't really criticize New that much, just considering, you know, I think he's been one of the central reasons that this team, well rather this team was who they were this past season. But I think he let Horn go a little too long entering at the end of that fifth inning. He was already at the hundred, some the 109 pitch mark, I believe. And while we have seen him go into the 110s, 120s, I think that would have been a good time to pull him. In, because at the time, it was just a 3-1 game. And then he allows the single, and then he botches the sacrifice button, the 6. That turns into a 6-run inning. And then in the second game, he had Armand Sabori waiting in the wings. And Sabori, he pitched excellent except for a solo shot in I believe the bottom of the eighth that really put that game away. But I believe that he could have went to Sabori a little earlier. And then in the TCU game, I think he could have went with just beginning with that sixth inning, could have gone with some combination of Sabori or Rogelio Reyes ended up pitching a third of an inning. So maybe we could have seen him in that central Connecticut game to bridge uh, Stoutenboro and Sabori. So this wasn't a weekend that really struck me as a lack of depth but just the combination you know i'm not going to pin the entire game on you know new having a longer leash especially because pitching depth has been one of our concerns but it's just one of those weekends where until you're in that position and until you know what the pressure is going to be like you never know what's going to happen and it, it sort of became one of those any given friday and bleeding into the next day any given saturday type things and i don't think it takes away from their season as a whole because Like, let's not forget, they weren't even supposed to be here in the first place. Yeah. And so to go from being projected to finish eighth, being projected to miss the postseason altogether, and it was this conversation of, if they're gonna even come close, everybody's gonna need to step up, and everybody did step up in a major way. It was just a disappointing end to what was otherwise a
2: really great season.
0: 100%.
2: Yeah, we were coming off the high that they had they had put us on at the end of the year. Well, that's, what,
1: that's what I'm saying. It's like we kind of all expected the same stuff to happen, and it didn't. Yeah. So.
2: And I don't know whether it was the travel, whether or not they were playing in front of 11,000 fans in Fayetteville. Um, I'm a little biased, but I think the Hog fan base is, is just about the best fan base in terms of baseball, mm. um, maybe rivaling with Oregon State, LSU, Florida, those kind of schools. But, I, I mean, this team's used to playing in front of a 1,000 people. What, at Evans Diamond? I think they played in front of, like, 5,000 at LSU earlier in the season. I don't know if that kind of atmosphere was a lot, adding to the fact that with each game there's more and more pressure. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I also think New kind of deviated from what he had been doing kind of in the first half of the season, which is kind of micromanaging this pitching staff to a certain extent with the openers, with you know, the short leash on Sabori, Stoutenborough. and I like that.
1: It sounds like he played it safe a little bit.
2: He I think On the pitching end. He was pretty gradual. I would say the leash got longer and longer as the season went on, and I guess he continued that trend, but in a in a situation where, you know, one game might sink your season I think you do have to sort of be that micromanager type, um, especially if that's what had gotten you into that rhythm, going into that great, you know, finish to the season.
0: And we also have to consider that, you know, this was New's first time in this position as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, undermine what he, like the decisions that he made too much in regards to the postseason. But that's sort of the general twen- trend as the season went along. We went from a situation where. You know Stoutenbro beginning of the season it would be this sabori stoutenborough combo and we kind of saw the inverse of it at the very end of the season where sabori's just coming out of the bullpen and Stoutenbro's now becoming you know the more traditional starter and yeah that, i think that definitely the crowd may have had to do with it as well there's also can be this mentality when it comes to the postseason of trying to hit the five run home run And you know, we talk about, you hear about it a lot in every sports, like trying to make the big play when the small play will suffice. And I think a part of it, you know, know, being there versus watching it on TV is different because you're not able to see, you know, you're not able to observe your surrounding as much. But one of the things that I noticed with this team throughout this season was how loose they were, their chemistry. There would be a lot of times at Evans Diamond like the fifth or sixth inning they're just blasting EDM and you see like guys in the bullpen guys in the dugout just like (laughs) like pumping their fists and just like going crazy and you know I don't want to say that completely disappeared in Arkansas but you know it's a little harder to have that very you know loose mentality when every game is make or break or in the case of the first game if not make or break has a tremendous influence on how your second game can go and I think it's one of those situations where if this exact same team was to be in this exact same situation totally. next season because hypothetically they could run it back and, and we know that's not gonna happen no. but if they were to be in this exact same situation next year and f- like finish strong be a top 25 team all season and play in the postseason again I would not expect it to go this way but you know it's just one of those things where you know of the players who are gonna stay you just hope they learn from it and one of the few this is a very minor thing and I think this might be me reading into it a little too much but I know that Darren Baker had a very solid you know two-game stretch I don't have the stats in front of me but he swiped a couple bases and he seemed to be one of the looser players throughout this series I think there was one time he was on first and you know you know when you're a base runner and a base stealer like Baker is There's a lot of, like, this cat and mouse, and you, like, want to play with the pitcher. And, you know, in the regular season, you can kind of do that. Like, you can kind of mess around, just, like, pretend you're, like, you know, bounce around. But in the postseason, it's, like, when every out counts, it's a little harder to do that. But he was kind of just out there, like, still loose, still had the Louis Vuitton shin guard. You know, he was, you know, very much calm and poised. And, you know, he still had that little bit of swagger that we've been accustomed to him seeing. But it's hard to say that for, you know, the entirety of this team and how they, you know, played this week and i also made a note on rogelio where you know before the game they were like blasting music in the stadium and you like there's like a shot of him like kind of dancing around but on the mound like he wasn't like that same there wasn't like that same looseness that you would see him throughout the regular season so you know it's one of those things where you know just if you're a cal fan just kind of sucks you know and as us who watched the team there was an expectation that they would go a little further than just two games You know, even if they didn't make the Super Regional at least win one game, especially that Central Connecticut game, but it's one of those things where now you just got to put in the back of your mind if you're one of the returning players and get ready for next season because now the expectation is this is a team that could potentially compete for years to come, especially with someone like New at the helm. So I guess now this is a good time to sort of get into the fact that they were here because I kind of alluded to it a couple minutes ago, but you know, no one was really, like, even kind of us, like no one was really expecting this team to be in the postseason to begin with, because you know, you, everybody know of Andrew Vaughn. The Golden Spikes Award winner hits 403, 23 home runs, best hitter in the nation, but then you start looking at a lot of the pieces that would have to complement him. Corey Lee, who I believe was a, hit 253, As a sophomore Cameron Eden great freshman year but really regressed in his sophomore year Darren Baker solid freshman season but it's this question mark of how is he gonna improve same can go with Sam Wesniak and then you have a bunch of guys who are gonna have to become staples Grant Holman Quentin Selma who only had 19 at-bats his freshman year Jared Horn who was coming off of a year with a six ERA Rogelio Reyes a career ERA of 820 if you just look at the individual components and you were to ask anyone, is this team gonna make the postseason? Like, even if they improve, are they gonna make the postseason? You're thinking no. Mm-hmm. You're not expecting Jared Horn to have like a sub two ERA in the regular season. You're not expecting Cameron Eden to hit like 365, but that's sort of what happens. And, you know, we, I talked about not wanting to use this weekend too much to undermine what happened throughout the entire season, but it is kind of amazing just how this team was able to go from you know, not finishing like being projected to finish eighth to going on that ridiculous run and not even just going not even just being a bubble team, but being a postseason lock and eventually becoming the twenty fifth best team in the nation by the national ranking. Yeah.
1: I think that's incredible. But I think the pressure's on now. I think it's it's definitely it's definitely necessary to think of, you know, how big of an accomplishment it was for this team. But now they're expected to to perform. They're expected to return to the same, you know, depending on who comes back, which we'll get to in a second, but I feel like I feel like the circumstances are different now. And as much as this team surprised everybody, I feel like they need to prioritize not making this a one-off. Same with New. I feel like they need to I think this next season is is much more important because the expectations are higher. Much much more important than the last. Am yeah. I wrong? I mean,
2: I think this I think it totally depends on how they perform next season, how you look at this year. You can say, like, okay, yeah, the the expectations are there. They overperformed. Are we going to see this going forward? Are we going to see some of their young guys who this year had no college experience take another step forward? Guys like Stout, Murrow, Sullivan, guys like that. Um, but I think also losing guys like Corey Lee, Jared Horn, Andrew Vaughn, um, could serve as kind of, okay, we don't have those guys anymore, but we're confident in how we've all performed the last season to go out and perform like we did again. And I think New is somebody that I really trust to do that, just the way he managed, the way he developed um, these young guys' confidence going forward to where he was able to kind of have that leash get longer and longer each series, each game. Um, That was really a success for me in how to manage these guys going forward. And I think next season – Kind of having the confidence that okay, we can overperform or this is how we can do is good going forward for this and,
1: team. And, and people are look people are looking at the team now as well. I mean, how many draft picks in this draft? Seven in total. There's no there's no way you could have told me that at the beginning of the yeah. season. So now I like I said, the pressure's on, but what an what an absolute amazing job by new and his staff to get this group where they are now. I agree with everything you said, Justice. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely incredible. But yeah. It's, it's a blessing and a curse, I think.
0: And in terms of expectations going forward, you'd have to consider that you know seven players were drafted. Andrew Vaughn goes number three overall. Uh, Corey Lee gets drafted 32nd in yeah. the first round. Cameron this
2: season Eden... really propelled him. And same yeah. with Jared Horn. Like, they had one great year that propelled them to such high draft picks. And
0: that's sometimes all you need, especially in college baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so Corey Lee goes 32nd overall. Cameron Eden goes in the fifth round. Jared Horn goes in the sixth round. Sabori goes in the 12th. Rogelio in the 22nd and McIlwain in the 26th. So of, among those players, I fully expect Vaughn, Lee, Eden, Horn, and Sabori to just begin their professional careers. I believe that there's an argument to be made that Rogelio Reyes will at least consider staying for his senior because he's only he was only a junior this past year. And, you know, 22nd round, if you know, if you believe in trying to improve your stock as a player that could potentially be a move that both will both help him and help Cal's a whole and i think brandon mckelwein definitely stays just because if he was able to get drafted in the 26th round and after only playing 21 or 20 games i think there's a very co- a solid case for him to come back and it, he's in kind of a strange position because he actually has you know he w- he actually has two years of eligibility despite having been A sophomore a redshirt sophomore so he'll have his redshirt junior and redshirt senior years as well so in terms of expectations I think they do have to be altered slightly just because you're losing one of the best college hitters in the nation you're losing one of the best catchers in the nation and then you're losing a really good crop of players but then you also return guys like Quentin Selma all-conference Darren Baker all-defensive max flower all defensive honorable mention grant Holman, someone who can really turn into a solid two-way player and Sam Wesniak, who's had you know career highs all about like all across the board and then in terms of the pitchers like while this pitching staff was incredibly young what New was able to do because the offense kind of him afforded him that opportunity was get them a lot of innings and sometimes the only way to improve is like even if the ERA isn't where you want it to be at as a you know especially as a freshman just being able to get out there have a good batch of innings and head into the offseason knowing that there are things that you can improve on and knowing what those things are instead of you know maybe throwing like five innings and wondering you know how's my curveball going to translate throwing against like batting practice guys as opposed to like i don't know adley rushman or hunter bishop how is that exactly going to translate having that experience especially as freshman, was invaluable and that's that kind of goes into the blessing and a curse aspect of having such a young team it's because they are so young and because you kind of have to force them into that position it gives them very valuable experience and i think it also is a testament to you know new's ability and the coaching staff's ability to really develop these guys this was sort of one of the constant themes that me and the basketball crew talked about was what we saw as a lack of player development you know to to switch gears to basketball a little bit you saw guys like Justice Suing, Darius McNeil, Jawan Harris-Dyson, all have very good freshman years but never really made that transition from because there's always that collegiate year-to-year jump and we never really saw that. But you saw that with almost every core guy on this team. And so if I'm a freshman or if I'm a sophomore and I'm coming out of this year, you know, I made like, especially like among, you know, the pitching staff, Stoutenborough, Sullivan, Delamore, Volger, if I'm those guys and I pitched, you know, Stoutenborough had some of the most innings pitched in the entire conference and I'm heading into this offseason, I'm very confident in my ability and I'm very confident as someone that reports on this team that they will be able to make that improvement, especially considering what we've seen of Horn, of Reyes, and of Sabori. And so to switch gears a little bit, one of the the conversations that we were having before we recorded this was McElwain, And I think it's a and Spencer is someone that's gonna be covering football and as someone that's gonna and in me as someone that's gonna be covering baseball and then Max is someone that was covering baseball. I think there's a very interesting conversation to be had regarding the various directions that McIlwain can go. And I I don't think it's very black and white either, because, you know, considering he was drafted, you automatically think baseball should be the priority. But on the flip side of things, he, he, it's not—it's not as if he was just, you know, someone that wasn't playing football for this Cal football team. He, he appeared in ten games. There were some bright spots. There were some dark spots. But I don't think it's very—I don't think it's as easy a decision to just quit football, especially when part of the reason that he transferred from South Carolina was to pursue both sports. So I'm curious as to y'all opinions on ex what exactly you think he should do at this point in time
1: I think or sorry Max but I think on a baseball front I agree with you in that he should bet on himself and come back because he's going to be because of the pieces that are leaving the baseball team now he's going to be playing a much bigger role and if he was able to step up to the you know literally step up to the plate and perform better um, playing a bigger part in the team overall I feel like his draft stock will go up. being you know you know, significantly, but I think that's dependent on, like you were talking about, him playing football or not. I think, you know, whether he wants to choose one um, one sport or not, I think on the football end, he still has a chance to play a significant role at quarterback. Um, Max, you want to add to that?
2: I mean, from a baseball angle, I remember watching him I think it was that St. Mary's series one of the first series that they had here at home this season um and I had never seen McAwain play baseball before and I don't even think he he had many at bats at South Carolina didn't play last season for Cal um but I remember watching him in center field and he made it like an amazing diving grab he had like strong throws into third base yeah, he's an athlete and I was like dude this kid's really good. This, like, I remember my first reaction being, eye test wise, this kid is better at baseball than he is kind of in that role as the quarterback at Cal. Totally. Um, he really struck me as kind of um, a contender, if not uh, a lock for all defensive team in the Pac-12. Um, he just really blew me away that those first couple games I covered of, of St. Mary's. Um, and only playing 27 games this season it's not like he really had a great year at the plate he was playing pretty well i think he was he had almost hit for the cycle in that Cal poly series but really what i what stood out to me was the defense and just kind of you know his dynamic play on the base paths as well i think
1: his his athleticism is what scouts are looking at and why he was drafted Mm -hmm. where he was drafted i think it's going to be interesting it's 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 obviously up to him, but I feel like he could play a huge role in the Cal offense because of how, you know, how underprepared we are on the offensive end. I feel like he could play multiple positions, like you were talking about. we Are talking about football or baseball? Football, sorry. I should have specified. (laughs) I think on the offensive end for football, he could play a huge role. I don't think he's good enough to play at the next level, though. So that's what he really needs to decide. Mm -hmm. He could, you know, he's probably going to be the second string quarterback. The thing I don't like about him at quarterback is his decision making. Too many I think it was two touchdowns and nine interceptions last season. Um obviously only getting part of the time at the position, but he was more of a running quarterback than anything else. Um and I feel like his athleticism at the baseball on the baseball diamond is much more useful and impactful in terms of his career trajectory. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we were talking about this before I brought this up. He reminds me a lot of, of John Franklin III who played for Auburn. I don't know if any of our listeners out there watched Last Chance U. Um, even in that in that film series, John Franklin had trouble getting on the field because of his, his accuracy issues. Um, and we see that a lot with McIlwain. He brings a lot to the table with his athleticism. But at the position of quarterback, um, you need to have a good arm, especially in this Cal offense. You need to be not as one-dimensional if you want to compete in the Pac-12, especially with that good defense. You don't really need someone like an Aaron Rodgers or Jared Goff again with that good defense. You just need someone that can take you down the field in key moments. And, let, and Wayne had, had some troubles doing that this year. Let's
1: not forget as well, on the football end, he didn't appear in the bowl game. And there was how many quarterbacks that appeared? Yeah. So the fact that he wasn't even in the selection process for that atrocity of a game might show you where – uh, Coach Wilcox has him in his plans, which in turn might incentivize him to mm-hmm. prioritize baseball.
2: And there's so much, there's so much more room to develop in baseball, whether it's not, whether it's playing at the collegiate level or whether it's going pro. Um, I remember I was watching the draft, and I forget who was, what his name was, but he's out of Portland, Maine. The competition's not that good, but he's this A plus athlete. And they were talking about Harold Reynolds was saying. Um, You know, this might be a case where pro ball is better than college ball because you don't have to produce from day one. Whereas the NFL, there's, if you're trying to go to the NFL, you're going to need to make a roster um, kind of immediately. In baseball, you know, if you're trying to develop your swing, if you're trying to get you know, make adjustments at the plate. There's so much more room and time to develop at the Prob- minor league level. Probably why he's getting so many looks now. Exactly because
1: people can see that trajectory. Yeah,
2: people can see the potential. They can say we can take him on his athletic ability alone. Yeah. and you know, let our professional coaches kind of coach this guy up to the next level. So,
0: fun fact about the Cheez It Bowl. You know, Cal did play TCU in regionals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just throwing this out there. There oh, were. God. I don't remember.
2: I think it was fourteen points scored. Seventeen s- s- total in the game. Seventeen. Fourteen total. in regulation and 14.
1: seventy-eight interceptions. <laughs> 78. No, I don't think they're that
2: much.
0: I think they're more. <laughs> so fourteen points scored in regulation. There were fifteen runs scored in the Cal TCU game. Granted, thirteen of them were by way of the Horn Frogs. I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> but I think when you look at someone like McElwain from the baseball perspective of things, just because you know, I would say. I would say I definitely have more of an expertise in regards to baseball than football, but you're looking at someone that could potentially just flirt with the prospect of becoming, you know, five to a five-tool player. If and if not for the power, just four-tool player, you know, football, and like, well, in regards to being an outfielder, he already has the arm. Like, I don't imagine him being a football quarterback. Like, you got to be able to like chuck the ball at, at minimum. You'd mention that. Running was very much a dynamic of his game you mentioned the fielding is very much dynamic of his game And he did run into a little bit of a slump at the end of the season But there was a point when he was hitting I believe 324 in the very beginning of the season and Remembering how I think it was Darren Baker He ran into like this really bad slump where he was hitting in the mid 200s And then he ends the season hitting 300 so I'd like to believe that if McIlwain was given the same amount of time to, you know, really let the season flow as it did, and sort of ride the wave that the rest of the team was on, then you're pointed, you're like talking about a situation where he could have ended the season hitting 300. I think it was a weird it was kind of a weird thing with McIlwain because it was in a strange way. Actually, no, that was a, I'm thinking of something else, but I think that. In regards to football versus baseball if I'm if I'm solely thinking about my draft stock in baseball and baseball in my future and I'm considering everything I definitely have to take into consideration just I, I quitting is such a strong word but not playing on the football team and just using that time to you know develop as a baseball player and with the two years that he still has to play baseball you know, pretty much investing all that you have in the sport and, you know, considering that what he was able to show and how high he was able to get drafted, considering the small sample size, you had, like, there's an argument to be made that if he plays, if he plays well next season, but then if he decides to play his redshirt senior season as well, if he performs well in those two seasons, there's an argument to be made that he could potentially flirt with that idea of being... 10th round or earlier especially if we're considering guys like Lee, Eden, you know, Horn who in one season, in one season. And also, you know, cons- coming into this season, you know, you could say that like if if you were if heading into this season, you just showed me, you know, or if you were to ask me, do you think Eden and Lee could get drafted? I'll probably say yes, but I wouldn't say it's very high. If no. if I was to if someone was to tell me Eden and Lee are going to improve and they will get drafted I would say they probably would but not very high but if we're looking at how this team has how a lot of players on this team developed from well in the case of a lot of these guys from their sophomore year to their junior year there's reason to believe I have reason to believe that McElwain can take a similar jump especially if he just completely dedicates his time to baseball well not only that is his roles undefined on the football team
1: so having that as a caveat it just it all signs are pointing to him sticking with baseball. And, you know, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but it, w- I, it would be, from what we've seen, a much better career trajectory if he yeah. were to choose baseball.
2: There's just so many more opportunities. Do do you guys have a lead on what he likes more? Does he like football more than baseball? Like, do we do a, a Kyler Murray analysis? That's a you, Justice. Analysis? <laughs>
0: I honestly have no clue what his preference is, but if it was me, and considering he's a center fielder, I would very much prefer to be, you know, chilling in the outfield, make my play whenever it comes. Yeah, bro. Than, Hit a few cause dingers. Cause here's the thing, it's like when you're throwing a baseball, if as an outfielder, when you're throwing, you just, like, you have one location, you you have, like, about, you have, like, 30 seconds between pitches to know, to map out every, like all like three scenarios of what you're going to do with the baseball when it comes to you. With football, you got seven guys rushing at you, maybe eight. (laughs) And so just from a personal perspective, if I was equally good in both, and this is the whole... From a CTE perspective. Yeah, and this is essentially the whole Kyler (laughs) Murray discussion. But the thing with Kyler Murray compared to Brandon McIlwain
2: is... We can't compare them. But go ahead. We can and we can't. Yeah, true. (laughs) Because. McElwain's not the number one pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: even if he was to develop, I doubt he would be anywhere like just from what I've seen. Anywhere near the the player pool is so much smaller in football as well. You know,
1: it's easy to get lost in the minors, but there's still an opportunity for growth as you were alluding to, Matt. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, you see, it's funny. I was I was talking about this the other day. A bust in baseball is not necessarily like a first round pick. You know, that doesn't get to the majors, that's not necessarily considered a bust. Totally. You're just as likely to be like a 10 through 15 round player, become a good everyday Major League Baseball player, kind of like Matt Carpenter or somebody on the Cardinals, than, you know, a, a second or third round player doing the same. There's like, there's just so many more nuances to the game. There's so much less margin for error. There's so much more. Baseball is so much more a game of inches than football is, um, or a game of centimeters, even, uh, that that stuff can become a reality. The McQueen's probably not going like Kyler Murray. He's probably not going to be a number nine pick in the Major League Baseball draft, either. But I think his chances going in whatever, 15-round in, 10-round in, where you get those higher signing bonuses for baseball is a much better option for him at this point. Not
1: only that, because the higher rounds you go in the MLB draft, the more prospect boards you're on, the more publicity you get as a player, especially in the lower tier of the farm system, which is a thing that you need. You need people to know who you are, especially to not get lost. And if he went in the 26th round, I think I was – or what what was it, 29th? 26th. I forget, 26th. He would get lost because he's not proven enough. He didn't Mm -hmm. play enough games this year. Then again, people see the development, so I guess it could go either way.
0: And this is, like, the point that I just keep coming back to in regards to McElwain, and, you know, I've I've said it a couple times, but I think we just need to, like, really hammer this home. Yeah. If he was, like, getting drafted after a 20-game sample size... It's insane. Like this was a team that played, I believe, 52 total games. Like, if you give him an enti- the entirety of a 52-game season to really ride the wave and see what happens, go through his ups, go through his downs, and end with a full season, you know, especially having had this season that he did, like with the encouraging, what's the word I'm looking for? With the encouraging developments that he already had, if you give him two more 52-game seasons, Like, there's very much reason for – and, again, we're putting trust in the coaching staff, and he's developing the way that you see college players develop from year to year. Oh, dude, I would put much
1: more faith in New than in Wilcox at the moment. You know, even though they're both young coaches, New has gotten to that level where, you know, there's still so many question marks on the football team, and it's pretty much – Expected now, like we were talking about earlier, what the baseball team is expected to do now, which is return to the regionals. Mm-hmm. So I think, like you were saying, about have more faith in the coaching staff. Yeah. I think is 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 apparent.
2: Yeah, and with new this season, you saw like those freshman guys, especially Stoutenborough, kind of improve series to series. It wasn't even like a year jump. It was kind of, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put you in some low leverage situations. Figured out, coach up, and then we'll give you that trust once we see that performance. And from you. with
1: Wilcox on the on the football side, he none of that happened last season. Especially, no. where you know, you know, be especially looking at the offense. You know, the defense is a different story because they have different personnel, much better personnel. But like, you know, the way he used Mikel Wayne was not not useful in the slightest. Yeah, you know, he didn't know how to use the other quarterbacks. It was just. Uh, it was very underwhelming for Wilcox, and I think all the points that we've mentioned so far all point towards him choosing baseball. And I can't imagine too much stuff going on behind the scenes where he's thinking anything different, you know? So.
2: Yeah. And I wanted to add this, too. It's not only that this season he played 20 games or whatever, it was that he hasn't really played, or scouts really haven't seen him play in games at the collegiate level before this season. So this was really his first introduction to major league scouts. It's a um, nice dress rehearsal. This year, you know, like he didn't really play at South Carolina. He didn't play last year. So this was a guy who, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if whether he was drafted or not out of high school, but he hadn't really played that much in the last two years, and only come in for 20 games and get drafted in the 26th round is pretty impressive as well. Baldwin. Here's like another like kind of
0: crazy thing to consider the the last time he was consistently playing baseball and i'm not counting his time on south carolina the last time he was a regular fixture in a baseball lineup and consistently contributing was 2015 his last year of high school because 2016 he plays for south carolina doesn't really play 2017 i don't believe he really plays either has to sit out last year and so you're looking at it you know if you look at that as well in basically his first season you know this isn't to say he like put down a baseball bat and stopped playing
1: but well, well that's how it is when you're when you're in a full swing of a football season he's not worried about baseball which is why i think that's you know there's more priority for him to choose baseball to focus on that you know i know from my own experience back in back early years in high school when i played both sports it was you live you go six to eight months without swinging a bat you know although i wasn't a five-star recruit (laughs) uh it was still hard man and you it's it's much more useful for an athlete to put all his cards in one basket you know to
0: do the best he possibly can it doesn't make sense for me for him to play both that's what i'm just that's what i'm encouraged as too is he was doing both so not only was he doing both not only you know and not not only the fact that he get drafted after 20 games but like his you know, his first basically full season in nearly since 2015 and him being able to produce the way he did yeah. i think that's a major that's got to be a major incentive for him to play baseball too cuz if i'm him i'm thinking so now in addition to the whole 20 games thing i'm thinking damn this is my first time playing like since i was like a kid yeah and i'm getting this attention like oh what can i do if i play a full year totally what can I do if I have like a full year to like really you know strut my stuff and see like in show and what if I make it all conference yeah you know and I have this feeling that the more he plays the more confidence he's gonna get because yeah. you have to assume that you know when he was stepping like when he stepped on the field this was and he was in that starting lineup. It, like I feel as if there was sort of a mental rust that had to be chipped off in addition to a physical one because it's also a, a different degree of difficulty because you're going from having to read a field to having some guy throw ninety at you so I feel like the consensus among all three of us, and there this is another question I want to pose to y'all as well how surprised do you think he was that he got drafted because I was very much surprised yeah not surprised from a talent surprised. perspective but just me as well considering it was so small of a sample size I feel like well I think just letting it marinate
1: like it was it Like, we've been talking about for the last, you know, whatever, 15 minutes. All signs point towards, like, now he has this little nugget to go on. Like, it's not the same with football. Now he has, okay, I know I tangibly have a record that multiple MLB teams are looking at me right now. On the football side, he can't say the same thing. So I don't see the logic in going both sports when you have another opportunity to just go through baseball. And I think he was incredibly surprised.
0: I think if he was thinking about the idea, what, playing half a
1: season—that's insane. Yeah. Not think, even
2: really against Pac-12 competition. That's crazy, either. dude. Like the Cal Poly's, St. Mary's, good team, but it was those teams of the world. that wasn't. But also, UCLA, had he not get drafted, Stanford.
1: had he not gotten drafted, we probably wouldn't be talking about him this much.
2: No, not at all. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, the fact that I think the fact we've spent this much time in the podcast talking about Brandon McIlwain just speaks to how surprised we were that <laughs> totally. he got drafted. <laughs> but also, like you know in my case i recognized the talent when i saw him and yeah. i was like okay i'm 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 surprised he got picked but i'm not surprised that people see his potential totally. to the next level totally and i think for him it's this
0: it's if he was heading into the mlb draft like just into those days you know flirting with the idea of potentially just going full time with baseball i feel like after the draft oh god he was, like, the mindset has to have completely changed for him because now it's, like, you know, we can't really speak to what's really going on inside of his head, but I think at minimum it would have been a pleasant surprise. Just, because, like, even if he was, like, if, you know, some teams were just maybe spoke with him very sparingly, just to, like, see your name go on the board, of, like, among the thousands of players in college baseball, get, and high school baseball as well, Given how little he played, I think that sort of, like something sort of clicked in his head. Not not so, only not only
1: that is he transferred from South Carolina to play a bigger role. I mean, New knows now that MLB scouts are looking at him, and he has that in the back of his head when he's making the lineup before every game next season. It's just I, it's hard for me to find a reason why he would play both sports. Not only that, because he has this. He has this avenue now where he can play a huge role. This is everything that he asked for in college sports. Regardless of his baseball experience, you know, in his early years in college, I think it's just it's it's a no-brainer for me. But, I, you know, having played an organized yeah. game of baseball in four years, so what the hell do I know? This, this makes
2: me much more interested in what role he will play in football this upcoming Hopefully season. Hopefully none. Uh no I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm interested to see where it goes. Where he plays, you know, primarily running back Like I said the my, wildcat guy, you my, know, my receiver. Problem,
1: my problem with Wilcox how he how he used garbers, how he the abomination that, of the cheese it bowl that we already saw. He his role I guaranteed his role isn't defined. And if his role's not defined, I don't see any reason for him to play football. Mm. I don't I don't I don't get the use of playing running back or wide receiver or being used in an unfamiliar position, you know. Unless for personal fulfillment, I don't see any other reason to do that because he hasn't been getting looks by scouts at the pro level, and nobody's been really talking. Nobody talked about him. Uh, I guess sophomores don't get drafted, but yeah, never mind.
2: But there'd still be interest, you know. One hundred more about him. Like I think it's safe to say that he doesn't. People aren't really pegging him as someone who. Um, has much value at the next level yet. Yeah. Um, he's also, like I said, He's John also Franklin, really
1: small. He yeah. doesn't have the size that yeah. John Franklin had. No, he doesn't. In and he, does,
2: he doesn't have the record of like being a track star no, either. But no. John Franklin signed as a corner to the Bears. So that is probably the position in the NFL that people take him most seriously. But that's um, just a whereas shame. Whereas he could be a legit center fielder. That's
1: you? a shame, but he can also base run. He can also... He's he's I yeah, he's, I see him fitting into a high level minor league team or major league team as that X factor as that role player who can come in and pinch run, who can do the grind, the grinding work. He has a great arm. He's great at defense. Who can be, you know, that National League sub that everybody can mm-hmm. depend on. Yeah. Versus him being that third string wide receiver or cornerback on a football team.
0: He's much more useful in baseball than I feel like football. Mm-hmm. Before we get out of here, do we have any final thoughts on, aside from McElwain, just this baseball team as a whole going forward? Uh, the th- there's a
1: football podcast. Be uh, it's going to start in late August. I encourage you to listen to that on the One Golden Moment um, Network. That'd be great because I'm going to be on it. And we'll talk about McElwain just
0: in a, yeah, in a very different <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. I had to um, plug
2: that. Go ahead, guys. For this season, total win, given despite the fact how it ended total overachieving team um, to finish fourth in the Pac-12, which turned out to be a lot better conference than a lot of people thought. Oh yeah. Um, People knew it was going to be top-heavy for Cal to finish fourth and in the top 25. That's really something to hang your hat on. I think my my prediction at the beginning of this season, when we did a little shoot-around in the paper, um, was if these guys who are coming back for Cal step up, because I believe... Five or six Cal players Five. were drafted um, after last year. Granted, none at the caliber that Vaughn had been drafted. Corey Lee goes in the first round. Um, nobody had had a series or a season like Jared Horn had had this season. But I think it's the same thing. You know, if if the guys can come back, make that jump that we expect them to make under new guys like Darren Baker, Stoutenborough, uh, McElwain then this team has um, a good chance to finish in that top four or five zone of the Pac-12 again. Yeah, I hate,
0: it's, it's a very generic thing to say, but I'm interested to see what happens next year, especially with some of these guys. I think I'm just gonna, th- this idea has kind of been percolating in my head a little bit, but this is just like a very small and random prediction I have. I think we're gonna see Darren Baker's first home run. He's yet to hit a home run. We have seen the speed, but I don't know. Just like this is a very small prediction in the grand scheme of things, but it, it is going to be. Yeah. It, he'll get in the weight room. It's awesome. going to be an interesting year. Like we'll get in the weight room. Like with the like, even though you're losing a good chunk of your lineup, you have a great group of guys to really go forward. And then in addition, you got to wonder like, what's the incoming freshman crop going to look like? You know, baseball recruiting is probably. Like of the three major sports, it's the hardest to gauge, just because there isn't as much attention and it's a little harder to find film. But if we can see similar, if we can see players produce at a similar caliber as the freshmen that produced this year produce at, or if who knows, someone that produces some like some freshman comes out of the woodworks and something similar to Avon. I'm not gonna put that expectation on any freshman, but if we if that type of player emerges. Then I think we're really looking at Cal under New being one of those teams that's going to be here to stay going forward. And I think it's going to be an interesting year, not in terms of just watching players develop, but in terms of gauging who is Mike New as a head coach and what his reputation is going to be. Because it's only been two years,
1: too. Well, that's what I was going to bring up is, is it is crucial that New does as well, if not better, than he did last season, given the different roster that he'll have if he does the same thing with the roster that he's going to have next season he's a bona fide one of the best coaches in in the country i think because of all the players that got drafted like we had mentioned and everything i think it's imperative for him to have one of the best seasons that he's ever coached
0: i had a thought it was (laughs) it slipped through my head what was i gonna say um what was I going to say? I don't know.
2: Well, going back to that, the the sign at Evans Diamond that says, Cal Baseball welcomes head coach Mike New is still up. So that like <laughs> just goes to show how yeah. new he is. Uh, yeah. New how is new, new Coach New is. Yep. Um, and if he does have a good new... Year next year he can boast that in the recruiting process as well. I think even their finish this year will help their recruiting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and the way that he's dealt with a lot of those young because, players. Can, yeah, Cal baseball, can baseball be hasn't
1: sniffed, point. you know, the regionals in years, so it's you know, there's a lot riding on this next season.
0: And I believe that new, especially because of this season, this is one of the seasons where you start getting, where you can potentially get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because like in terms of RPI and because of how you performed in the previous year and if it gets to a situation where you're one of those bubble teams if you have a master reputation as being one of the teams that is consistently great in the country 100% then you then that reputation definitely does help because if if it's either you or a team that's like potentially on the rise and you've made you know to play devil's advocate, advocate like five regionals in a row then it's like oh like, this team has consistently been great, and if I have to choose between this team and this team, I'm going with the one yeah. that has that reputation.
1: And Newt really needs to figure out how to put his team in the right mindset. Like we were talking about earlier, how they kind of looked out of character, not more tense than usual, and that comes with experience. But I think another huge thing is you're always going to have that turnover. You're always going to have that youth at the college level. If New can really figure out, how to take that regular season energy into the postseason? Really have confidence. I feel like no matter what roster New has, he could just roll right into regionals. And like I said, it all falls on his shoulders.
0: Well, I guess we'll see how the next season goes in, a, in about a year's time. Uh, season number two, episode twelve. Justin De Los Santos, Max Menemeyer, Spencer Galanka, aka Spencer Beats. Spencer Beats. Signing off.